fans and move milkers everywhere welcome to episode number 354 of blast points this is jason and this is gabe we're talking about the mandalorian chapter 24 the return the season finale of the mandalorian season three we say this all the time it really is it's really a real shame that no one's talking about this episode no nobody cares anymore about star wars they just no one has anything to say oh my god yeah there's been a a lot of chatter about the return if anything it's it's the return to normal life after a mandalorian season where you spend eight weeks that's all you can think about i'm gonna sleep so good tonight now that i have all the mandalorian in my head and i don't have to keep wondering what's gonna happen next week (laughs) i don't have to set my alarm for 5 a.m next week the the return of sleep the return to your family. Hello, family. I'm back. We have four more months to enjoy life before Ahsoka comes. Yeah, they should have just called the episode. You don't have as much of a break as you think you do, basically. It'll be here before you know it. So before we start getting into the fun stuff, yeah, there's been a lot of chatter online about this episode a lot of opinions some people saying it's not the finale they kind of expected i think people were expecting like some family members of theirs like cousins or aunts and uncles to make cameos in it and sometimes i feel like that whole concept with like expectation especially with Mandalorian season finales, which this is the the first Mandalorian season finale, proper Mandalorian season finale, since we've had after the big Luke Skywalker thing at the end of season two. And I feel like that's kind of what people were kind of expecting. And a lot of like the stuff on social media the night before was like, you don't want to spoil this and you, you're mentally, physically, spiritually not ready for this episode. I enjoyed the heck out of this episode. I thought it was great. We're going to be talking about it in depth coming up. I thought there was a lot going on in here. It's not a bad thing, though, that the hype level going into this was maybe a little too high. Yeah, but that's like we've we've been alive long enough. Like, that's just how Star Wars is, right? It's like (laughs) there's a a lot of hype because you're excited and Star Wars fans are cannot help but overthink everything and speculate and and you know or everyone's guilty of it that's what we do and it's like there's no way not to get overhyped which it's why it's kind of you you got to watch it like two times at least just so you can get it through your system and then you know give it a chance of to enjoy it on for what it is instead of what you want it to be and i don't think there's everybody's guilty of that of this was, I think, this week leading up to this with last week being called The Spies was like the craziest. We haven't had that much crazy speculation and theories and just 
overall nonsense going on leading up to something Star Wars for a long time. And it was fun, but part of the fun is the fact that it's probably not going to end up being at all what you thought it was the week before and being ready for that. April 12th to April 19th, 2023 will forever be known as the week of spies. I'm glad it, I'm glad this episode came out and there's absolutely zero talk of spies in it. And it all just kind of laid to rest for now because I don't think we could have taken another day of who's the spy, who's not the spy. Everyone's the spy. I'm maybe I'm the spy. Maybe you're the spy watching the show. Yeah. I'm happy we we've moved past that and I'm happy. Yeah. In typical star Wars fashion, it just didn't deal with any of that at all. Yeah. Cause in, in the end of the day, star Wars is usually pretty straightforward and simple. And it's like, it's just the fan theories that get crazy because the show itself and the movies and everything are pretty consistently like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. It's just the, it's the obvious thing in a way and not necessarily this out of left field craziness. This season finale, the return, I think is a totally solid action packed wrap up of the first three seasons of the Mandalorian. And I don't, after the Luke Skywalker one at the end of season two, it's almost like you can't get a Nintendo every year for Christmas yeah we already have the nintendo so we just got some some sweet games to play on it this week so it's like that's great too and we wouldn't have these sweet games if we didn't already have the nintendo from last year we wouldn't have anything to play them on so it's like you can't have one without the other but i feel like yeah sometimes the expectation is like well i got nintendo last year so this year i have to get another nintendo but Jason, there's just so many cameos in the show. I wish they wouldn't have so many cameos, except for when they don't have cameos, and I wish they would have some cameos. It's fine. It's you know what? It's nothing new. It's Star Wars fandom is is a flat circle and speculation. And here we are, 2023. It's alive and well. One thing that I, a lot of people were kind of talking about with this episode is kind of with the ending and everything, and everything going on with Din and that Din didn't take his helmet off and Din this, Din that, and Din isn't the main character anymore. And his, his character arc is going backwards. I don't, what do you, how do you feel about that? It just seems like there's different areas for a character to change. And just because maybe he went back to his old job and didn't take off his helmet doesn't mean he didn't change other parts of his life. Like he literally went from, only caring about himself to adopting a child and trying to give that child a good life. Like that seems like a pretty big change between three seasons. It's also, I think the thing that was catching people off guard or they weren't ready for with this season and kind of carrying it over from the other two as well as the, the whole idea that the children of the watch aren't bad. And that again, it was like we were looking at them through, Bo-Katan's eyes where they're, you know, they're these crazy people. They don't take their helmets off. And at the end of the day, it seems like the Mandalorian show is really about just acceptance and accepting people for who they are, even if you don't necessarily agree with things they do, or there's things they do you think is weird just to focus on what things you have in common. And that's what the Mandalorians did. And at the end, it's like the people who want to wear their helmets, they wear their helmets because they want to. And the people who don't, don't because they don't want to. And really no one's forcing anybody to so if mando doesn't want to take it off then 
that's who he is and he's fine with that. And if anything, that's another, I guess, aspect of his character that maybe in the middle he thought he didn't want to have his helmet on, but now at the end he's happy with it. That's just who he is. So it doesn't seem like he's the same person, even if he ended up in a similar place. There was there was a journey to get back to realizing he was happy with the parts of him that were the same and changing the parts that needed to change. When we met him in season one, he was basically living out of the razor crest and just going from bounty hunter job to bounty hunter job. And you think of the din back in season one sanctuary. They were like, stay here, stay with us. Like your, your child deserves to be a child and you, you can help us when you need to. You don't have to keep being like this person on the run that you are. And he was just like, I, I can't do that. And now this last shot of season three, he's literally sitting in his little in front of his little shack with his feet up while his kid plays in the yard. He's living the dream. It made me, you know, it made me think of the ending of Raising Arizona for some reason. <laughs> because Raising Arizona also, then I started thinking about it and I was thinking about the whole thing in that movie too with like them taking this child and people after the child. And I started really thinking about the comparisons between The Mandalorian and Raising Arizona. Probably not intentional, but maybe just in my head. Sir, we have an indication you were born Nathan Huffines. Is this correct? Yeah, I changed my name. What of it? But can you give us an indication why? Yeah. Did you buy furniture at a store called Unpainted Huffines? All right, I'll get to the point. Was the child Are wearing these... anything when he was abducted? Nobody sleeps naked in this house. I am asking some wearing... questions, officer. If we're going to put an APB out, I need a description. You would wear better trained to intervene in a crisis situation. What was he wearing? A dinner jacket. What do you think? He's wearing his damn jammies. Child was wearing his jammies. You happy? Do you have any disgruntled employees? Hell, they're all disgruntled. I ain't running a damn daisy farm. What did the my motto say? is do it my way or watch your butt. So what you think it might have been an employee? Oh, don't make me laugh. Without my say so, they wouldn't piss with their pants on fire. What did the pajamas look like? I don't know. They were jammies. They had Yodas and shit on them. Raising Arizona has this very kind of settling into kind of a comfortable life kind of ending and kind of like maybe things will be okay. And there were a lot of people kind of balking at the ending of this episode online and the fact that it does kind of end on this, this irising out on Grogu playing with the frog in the yard. But also it's, it's also kind of like a classic Star Wars, like happy, happy in quotes ending where we've had this so many times in movies you know you think of a new hope you think of even return the jedi you think of the phantom menace you think of attack of the clones the well i guess everything's okay kind of ending i guess our heroes are just going to be just fine ending and you know that's not the truth and that's kind of the cool thing with this ending where it's almost like this is the ending of the mandalorian book one and it's this episode is almost like new beginnings all throughout, like wrapping up these stories that have been going on for these three seasons and almost kind of setting up where these characters are going to go when we see them again eventually. Yeah, because, I mean, that was, I, to me, the really the nice thing is this was an, a, a proper ending to these three seasons in this, like, one book of Mandalorian story. If and when they come back, it's going to be 
the same characters, but it's going to be a new story with them. And maybe they'll run into, you know, people from this story, but this was kind of a self-contained story anyway, between these three seasons with a little Boba Fett detour. And also it's neat that the story ultimately being Din deciding to settle down and put some roots somewhere is the same story that the Mandalorian people had of finally deciding to put aside their differences and retake their homeland. And now they have a nice house where they're, you know, they're trying to settle down back on the planet. Like it makes sense that, you know, this is the story of the Mandalorian and the Mandalorians themselves. And they kind of had a similar arc over the seasons of like, they were wandering people who were grumpy all the time and didn't know where to go and didn't have a home. And they've, now at the end everybody has a home and that doesn't mean there's not going to be problems in the future but it's a nice little end to this part of a story and it also makes it i think less insane if maybe we don't get another season of mandalorian for a couple of years because there's so much craziness going on that everyone is kind of in a place where you're not laying up at night like what's what's gonna go what's going on with the mandalorian at least i know he's like hanging out at home making burgers or something right like Bo-Katan's eating fresh, fresh greens from her garden. Like, I don't have to worry about them. They retook Mandalore. Like, the Great Forge just restarted. The Mandalorian people are coming back together. And yeah, Din finally has a moment to relax and to be the dad. And he is now, like, the official dad of... Grogu like he's the adopted parent of Grogu which some people were just like well well, of course he he already was that but if there's one thing we've learned about Din Djarin is he likes things to be real official well and if you just take a step back and think about the most outrageous way they could end the season but also the most perfect it's like they picked it where it's like no Luke Skywalker doesn't show up Boba Fett doesn't ride a rancor literally Din adopts Grogu and they buy a house. That's the, the perfect ending to a season of The Mandalorian. That one of the craziest Star Wars things ever to to be on this planet. That they're like again, they're looking at what makes sense for the story and they pick the most perfect yet completely outrageous thing. In it, the, when I was watching it this morning, something I was thinking too that like just just as much as it's about like new beginnings. And one story ends and planting the seeds for the next story. It's also like the classic uh, Last Jedi thing, peace and purpose. Din Djarin has peace and purpose right now. He has redeemed himself in the living waters of Mandalore. He helped them retake the planet Mandalore. And he has purpose. He can literally put his feet up, yeah, like I said, and just be a dad. And just not have to worry about things for maybe the first time in his entire life. And um, yeah, also the same with like Bo-Katan. Just think of where we met Bo-Katan in the beginning of this season to where kind of she is now. Or yeah, the children of the watch. A lot of change happened in this season. A lot of character change happened. And for not just Din, like every season of Mandalorian, it's kind of what, what we said in season two also that Every season of The Mandalorian, the story gets a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it continued this season. And while it got bigger, it also told a very personal story about, like, personal change and growth and development. And like you were saying, like, not being prejudiced because you don't understand the way other people behave or the what their customs they do. It's all really Star Wars-y stuff. 
Well, and it's it's also the thing too where, yeah, Din's a bounty hunter again technically, but now he's not a bounty hunter to, because he just wants to make money to survive. He wants to share his profession with his child. Like it's a change in perspective for him and i think a change in like i said with purpose where before it was like oh i'm a bounty hunter but i just need money to live in my my trailer ship you know and but now it's like hey i want to share this experience with my apprentice child yeah he's a different person than he was in season one just because he's still a bounty hunter doesn't mean he didn't change and i love that he's still in a way like a bounty hunter they say like contract for hire or something with Carson Tiva and Carson Tiva is just about the one of the only trustworthy people we've met within the new republic and you know it makes me think too of like what was announced at celebration with the Dave Filoni like epic crossover movie too and it's kind of cool seeing that like oh Din is going to be like hunting down imperial things or whatever hijinks are going on and like the outer rim for the working for the the new republic that's going to lead right into what they talked about for this this Filoni movie eventually and i'm like oh this is all really cool you kind of see where it's going this is neat right because if there is well there probably is but when there's another season it's like oh it's the same show kind of but now yeah they're basically hunting rogue imperials instead of just you know random bounty people so yeah it is kind of leading up to the sequel trilogy and would be leading up to this movie event thing and it's kind of recontextualizing the show where it would potentially be the same show but a slightly you know different version of it which is cool and the same kind of peace and purpose too you can apply that to where we've gone with Bo and the mandos like we were saying like the dark saber is destroyed and it's literally like what Din was saying to Bo last week in The Spies, that it doesn't matter. I don't know if I can keep everyone together. There's too much animosity. And this blade is all I have to unify our people. I only know of this weapon what you taught me. To be honest, it means nothing to me or my people, nor to Station or Bloodline. What means more to me is honor and loyalty and character. These are the reasons I serve you, Lady Grease. Your song is not yet written. I will serve you until it is. You know, we did a whole episode about the history of the Darksaber and the importance of the Darksaber. And for you, you know, we saw the prop at the Mandalorian experience last year and we were like, oh, my God, that's the real Darksaber. But it's kind of cool and bold for this Star Wars show to just kind of destroy it and be like, it doesn't matter. What matters is that Bo-Katan is a, a natural born leader and she will lead the Mandalorians into their new future. Darksaber or no Darksaber, like in the end, the Mandalorians don't care. Just like Din kind of said. Yeah, the Children of the Watch and the mercenary faction who both, you know, early on only cared about the leader having the Darksaber. Yeah, that they're all like, no, this we'll, we'll take being back home on the planet. Like, yeah, this is what was important. And that's they did such a cool shot at the end where they're all standing together 
at the at the living waters to finish the little baptism ceremony with little Rastan. It's not even like they're just in the room together. They're literally like mixed. You know, there's someone with a helmet next to someone without a helmet. Like they're all one people again, as opposed to even what two episodes ago when they no was that last week when they were on uh, Navarro. And they were like, they had their two camps, right? Like they were together, but they weren't really together. It's again, it's, it's new beginnings. It's, it's one story ending, another one beginning. It's peace and purpose. And the mythosaur is still out there. I love like at the end of the other little ceremony in the, in the water and the camera goes deep into the water and they show the mythosaur down there. It almost looks, it almost looks like the mythosaur is like smiling. Smiling at, at, at little Grogu, which we can't call Din Din anymore because they're both Dins. So we have to call them Jaren and Grogu. Otherwise, which Din are we talking about? Was Din Grogu? That's good. Grief liked that better. I think this is the first time he calls him by his name. The other big story, which kind of comes to a conclusion, but also hints of a new beginning, Moff Gideon, just coming back in last week. I wouldn't say there's peace and purpose for Gideon, but maybe, and it's definitely this one story ending and a new beginning because we kind of learn what Gideon was really up to. And I don't think Gideon's dead. I think he's dead, but they made a point to show that one of the clones was awake. I think there's a naked Gideon running around and if Gideon comes back, it's going to be that clone that escaped. Because I think they made a point to show that real Gideon got hit by a spaceship crashing from from the atmosphere. He's probably dead, even though he was in his super armor. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, maybe we'll get a cyborg version of him, but maybe there'll be two. See, I'm, I'm thinking he's in like that dark trooper Beskar armor. And I, it seemed like it was just a fireball that hit him. So he could come back like totally Vaderish and kind of yeah, kind of cyborgy. He could be more machine than man, and he could be like triple pissed because you think yeah, in four months, Thrawn is coming back in Ahsoka. No big secret because they they set that whole thing up at the Shadow Council where we're like, well, where's Thrawn? Where's Poochie? And when Thrawn does show up with Gideon kind of out of the way, he's kind of be like, okay, I'm gonna take control of this whole what's left of the empire thing but then it would be really really cool if there is like gideon goes to like the mod bar and gets like robot guts or something and like a like a robot arm and he's like triple like crazy pissed coming out after din in season four that could be really cool it 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 does kind of make sense because this version of gideon was like he had power armor so he's definitely all about getting getting uh powered up whatever however so yeah maybe the next step yeah is is like a full-on <laughs> cyborg version of gideon because he doesn't have the force that didn't work because they killed the clones so yeah maybe he'll have to be he'll be like the general grievous the other thing with peace and purpose and one ending and a new beginning r5d4 where is R5-D4 at the end of this episode? Because R5-D4 is an action hero in this episode. Is he on the farm with Din and Grogu? Is he with the Mandalorians? Where is R5-D4? I think he probably went back to to Peli and his robot buddies. That's what I think. I need to watch it again because I think he's in the N1 
when they go to the New Republic pilot bar. He is. You're right. So, yeah, he does go with them to the pilot bar. So when they land on Navarro, he's not, there's no droid in there. When they show the ship parked. So maybe he's on Navarro somewhere running around. Could they have given him to Carson Tiva, maybe? Maybe. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I still kind of, there's part of me that thinks that maybe he is or has been Carson Tiva's droid at some point. And that's why Carson was able to call him up and find out where the Mandos were. And they just haven't explicitly made that connection yet for us. But I like to think that R5-D4 coming over his fears and literally saving the day, like the retaking of Mandalore, Din's peace and purpose, chilling at the house with Grogu, none of that would be possible without the bravery of R5-D4. And honestly, I'm a little bit offended that more people are not talking about the bravery of R5-D4. He is the R2-D2 of this episode, of maybe the whole Mandalorian story Overall, he's a star. I I was calling him R five D Lux today because <laughs> he's got all, all the sweet moves. It's so cool. Like I get it. Uh, why isn't it a new droid? Whatever. But it's like it's awesome. It's R five D four is back. He gets to do some adventures. He gets some love. He gets to fly. He's living the dream. He's living the Star Wars dream. We should be happy for him. The 46-year anniversary of A New Hope. Whatever happened to R5-D4, you couldn't leave that thread hanging. R5-D4 is a hero. Without R5-D4, there'd be buck-naked Gideon clones that maybe have the Force all over the place. We don't want that. We don't need that. That would get too wild. The Ahsoka show would never happen because it would just be like 20 buck-naked Gideon clones moving things with their minds. We don't need clothes. We have the force. (laughs) Well, the wonderful thing, if you think about it, is like we were we were and I guess still are obsessed with the the Skippy the Jedi droid story in Star Wars Tales, which was just a ridiculous story of R5-D4. And now literally in for real Star Wars, we have something almost as incredible as Skippy the Jedi droid with. R5, yeah, being the key reason that the Mandalorians were able to retake their home planet. How can you not love that? That's why I don't get the people saying this episode didn't deliver, that didn't meet expectations. Well, and they told us after the first season, it's like, hey, part of this show is we're taking the Star Wars toys that that you played with because they were the only ones you had, not because they were the ones you wanted. And we're making them the stars. And they followed through with, yeah, maybe you wanted an R2-D2, but it was sold out and you got R5-D4 and you did the best that you could with him. And just like that, in in this show, R5-D4 did the best he could. He knows he's not R2-D2, but he tried his best and it paid off in the end. After watching The Mandalorian Season 3, these delirious eight weeks that we've had here, I feel that I now have peace and purpose. One story has wrapped up and I'm ready for the next chapter. Yeah, I am as happy as can be with season three from start to finish. Uh, It was the wildest of wild rides, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And it was able to be super fun, super exciting, and super crazy, and still maybe not 
as off the rails as Book of Boba, but it's its own special special mix here with season three. It might be my favorite of the three Mando seasons. What do you think? Have you thought? Is it? Have you had time to even think about that at this point? No, I. That, that's something I have to ponder more. But I think it's excellent. I think it's great. I love, like we said every week with with these Mando recaps. I love that, just like Andor, just like the Bad Batch, just like Clone Wars before it. Star Wars series all play by their own rules, and they each have their own rule book. They all have the, the the basic Star Wars rule book, but they each do things their own way. And I really like that Mando way. I like that complete ridiculousness and low-key, deep-thought seriousness that we could go to Jack Black and Lizzo one week to the Shadow Council setting with Hux, Hux's dad the next week. And just the fact that Grogu Baby Yoda exists as a character, and we all love him so much. It's insane, and I love it. It's great. It's a good time. It's super-duper Star Wars, and I still can't believe this is one of the most popular shows in the world, because it's so crazy. Sometimes it's hard to believe that that's the case, but then it's like, no, that's why people have always loved Star Wars, is that Star Wars is big goofy fun and it's not ashamed of being big goofy fun as much as other things can be and it doesn't necessarily try to be cool it just is cool because it doesn't care it's just yeah we're gonna have a puppet hug another puppet and that's just what we do and then yeah it's gonna be some serious drama for a few minutes and then a bunch of spaceships are gonna land it doesn't get any better than that Edwina wanted a family in the worst way. I need a baby hide. I got more than I can handle. So they borrowed one. <laughs> and the fun has just begun. Hold on, Nathan. We're gonna go pick up Daddy. Better hurry it up. I'm in touch with the wife. Raising Arizona, a comedy beyond belief. Rated PG-13. what we do let's get into the chunky bits let's go beat by beat through the episode so it starts out we're right back into the action and Bo Katan and her squad are trying to escape and we cut to Axe Woves who's flying up up into space this was the part when I the episode just really hooked me where I was like okay we're all worried about who's the spy is is Axe Woves really want to help people and it's like yeah he he's inspired. He wants to be Big Viz, and he's literally jetpacking almost into space through rain, like through the part where when the spaceships would go through it earlier in the season. You're like, oh no, is the spaceship going to make it through all this lightning and clouds and, and spooky stuff? And it's like Axe Woves is just rocket launching through it. 
I almost feel like they they knew that maybe we didn't trust Axe Woves because even when he gets onto the ship later and the, the Mandalorian ship commander guy is kind of like, what? Really? And it's kind of looking back at Axe Woves and I was kind of like, what? What's Axe Woves doing in particular? But no, Axe Woves was legit. We're all fools with the whole spy thing, but we, we, don't, hey, we don't have to talk about that. That's been talked about enough. But it was fun. Listen, it was fun while it lasted. Rookcast still could be. Who knows? I'm still going to hang on to that. But now we know Axe Wolves, not a spy. He is just a big badass, basically. And now he loves Bo-Katan and will do anything to help her and the Mandalorians, including fly through lightning clouds in a jetpack. Because yeah, I remember last week, like, what's he going to do? Fly up into space? And it's like, yeah, he is going to do that because I guess because he's Axe That's why he has the craziest name. <laughs> and I like, too, that they the Mandalorians, when they're chasing after Rastan and the dragon, they're just like, oh, we're out of fuel. It's been 30 seconds and we're out of fuel. That's how much these jetpacks aren't that big. But Axe maybe he's got a special jetpack that can get him into space. So, And I like, too, that you could almost I could feel people throughout the country after this episode thinking man why didn't i buy that Axwo's figure and like going on amazon and, and looking because i know i did i was like man maybe i need to order Axwo's because he's like my new favorite now so then you got mando versus the beskar mandalorian armor troopers and the troopers got flamethrowers and they got ropes and it's just a boba fett versus boba fett showdown rick famiua loves just people fighting like hand-to-hand action and it's like he went nuts with this episode it's like mando john wick movie or something there's so much action per minute and then also yeah there's in so much flamethrowers just in these two episodes as well like it's i don't know i never i never get tired of just gratuitous flamethrower use and I love just just when things are getting dark for Din, maybe it looks like the the Beskar troops are getting the upper hand. In comes Grogu. No, no. And he saves the day. And I love him spraying the Bacta spray on, on Din. Are you okay? Here's some spray. <laughs> and then Din being like so polite. Thank you for your help. It's so good, too, with these like, we have you have to be brave. Are you with me? And the little Grogu nod. We have to murder Moff Gideon. (laughs) That's what I love, too. It's like this show's all about, oh, he's a good dad. He says thank you to his son when his son son helps. And then it's like, we got to murder Moff Gideon. He's got to (laughs) die. All of his his buck naked clones, too. Yeah, they're all going to (laughs) die. So so they call on R5-D4 for help with a map. And yeah, R5-D4, action hero, peeking around corners, taking on mouse droids. So good. Getting the rocket legs. Did you ever think you'd get to see astromech rocket legs again? No, I like blacked out. I was just like, oh, look at those, look at those rocket legs. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, R2. You used to be the coolest. Now you're just some old dude. Uh, so it's, it's really just an insane scene when you think about it, too, because like in the middle of the Mandalorian season three season finale, you have a whole interlude with R5-D4 versus mouse droids with mouse droids with like little sirens on them. Yeah. And I love at the end where he's just like, peace out. And he flies away. <laughs> he doesn't even... <laughs> 
have time to fight them. It's like, I don't got time for you. I'm out of here. You don't have rocket legs. <laughs> but it's so good watching it. Everyone watching it is just like, hell yeah, R5-D4. Yeah. High five in your wall because no one else is up that early. Uh, pour the pour the coffee over your head. Just yeah. Maybe you get burned. Maybe you don't. Who knows? <laughs> just pour it into your eyes. Go, wake my eyes up. I'm seeing things. Got to do. <laughs> we can't forget too. Before all the all the R five deluxe action, there's just the sweetest of the sweet tie interceptor shots of them dropping from the ceiling like bats and flying up into space. Everyone who always wanted more tie interceptor action. Here you go. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm my have my hand raised. Please. I've been waiting for tie interceptors for 40 years. And I love that part too where you see the Mandalorian ships going down and then the camera just stays on the clouds and then you see all the imperial ships coming out. It's it's just so cool. That Rick Famuyiwa guy knows what he's doing. Well, and yeah, I guess not to jump ahead too much before that cool shot is like Axe Wolves just like flying in the ship, running as fast as he can to the to the control room and telling all the other Mandos to go that they need to get in the uh, in the drop ships. So all the Mandos literally just jump out of a big ship and fly down and jump into little ships while the little ships are flying and they're like sliding on the ramps and stuff because it's just like they're all running as fast as they can the Mandalorians they do it just a little extra yeah (laughs) and it's just nuts to think back it's like season one there were like five Mandalorians showed up flying and we were losing our minds like oh my god there's five Mandalorians flying right around this time in the episode too I noticed something that I'm surprised we haven't talked about more I think maybe we did with season one. I can't remember. But Rick Famuyiwa is really good at the classic Star Wars screen wipe. Yes. Sometimes the screen wipe is underused. Sometimes you just get it a little bit. Rick loves it. And what's wonderful is he does it in creative ways. This episode has some wild screen wipes going on. Especially in the end, like we said, I don't think we've ever had a screen wipe where like Looney Tunes cartoon, like Iris is out. Well, again, Famuyiwa is probably the best serious director on the show and also the most goofy, outrageous. And that combination is just magic. And and these last two episodes have have that across the board. So then we got Mando versus troops in the laser, the red laser barrier shield hallway thing. It's just so cool. Like when they got to this, I'm like, oh, man, he's going to have to fight each one of those dudes one by one. Well, and it's like he fights him with knives. He fights him with shields. He just kicks dudes into pits that are full of smoke and they disappear. Like it's like everything. Every action thing you could think of, they're throwing in this episode. And it also reminded me of the hallway chomper part from Galaxy Quest, where they got to get through the hallway and there's all the barriers stopping them along the way. Well, screw that! How are we supposed to get through this? Hollister, do you have the sequence yet? Okay. The sequence is two, two, four, two, three. What is this thing? I mean, there's no useful purpose for there to be a bunch of choppy, crushy things in the middle of a hallway. Oh, you know, and we can't forget because we we kind of 
went through the uh, the R five D four part. We can't forget that after he does the doors for him and flies away, that Mando says, "Good job, buddy." R five. Good job, buddy. So, not only is R five D four a hero, he is now Din Djarin's buddy. So they get through that, and then they get to the next room, which is the clone room. And at first, I'm just like, oh, man, that's a bunch of Snokes. No, it's a bunch of naked Gideons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, too. It's like, oh, man, are they going to have Gideon was the one that made Snoke, and that's why he was kind of weird? But then, yeah, it's like, oh, no, this is even crazier. It's a bunch of naked Giancarlo Espositos in, in tanks. And again, another great Din line in this episode. That's not Gideon. Those are his clones. You know, you know, sometimes you don't have to sugarcoat stuff. Just get right to the point. So then we, what's up with the Mandalor- Mandalorians? And they have their, their secret uh, Genesis project, little bit of nature that they've grown. And, you know, we got to, Give a special shout out too because we get another Cosca Reeves line here. Do you live here? It's two. It's two. She's a rising star. There's a part later on that it didn't I didn't dawn on me, I think, till the third time watching it that like, oh, this is like all Cosca Reeves just being cool. But I love that too, their little nature hideaway down there. It's you know, it's 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 new beginnings. That's what's going on. Well, and it's cool too if you remember back from from Clone Wars and Rebels too that that Mandalore, the planet, right? Like they lived in those domes because outside the domes was all nasty. So it's like not just that they're back; it's that the planet it's healing. Nature's healing. So the reinforcements arrive in ships. Let's take back our planet, and then you got a bunch of Boba Fett's all flying down together. You got. Bokatan with her dark saber. You got the armorer with her pliers and her hammer. And at first, I'm just like, really? But then she's just like flying down, smacking dudes with a hammer. And I'm like, okay. I, this scene, this scene, I don't even think my brain could comprehend it the first two times watching it because it really wasn't until the third time where where I was like able to appreciate what I was watching. And that, yeah, it's literally the most craziest thing of just Mandalorians flying at top speed into other stormtrooper Mandalorians and they're like, yeah, sword, sword fighting and hammer fighting and shooting each other with rockets. And it's just, it's beautiful. Well, you know, and I, I had to get kind of sentimental too and think about just how spoiled we are because remember back in Clone Wars season five, when Obi-Wan was undercover as a Mandalorian and he was hanging out with Duchess Satine and all that stuff. And there was like, Mandalorian versus Mandalorian, like Civil War stuff going on with Mandalorians flying around all over the place, just just total madness going on in the skies of Mandalore. And that in Clone Wars, remember, we were just like, oh, that's so crazy. And here it is in live action. And we're just, that's how spoiled we are, though, where we're just like, uh, okay, cool. Well, and that's like I was saying earlier, season one, there was literally like five Mandalorians flying around and Big Viz like, gave a salute to Mando and we lost our minds. And now here there's like hundreds of them. And it's not just like, you know, when those things where you just have a big swarm of things and you can kind of not really tell what's going on. Like we basically get all these little glamor shots of individual Mandos just doing awesome stuff. Like there's just so many of those shots. It's, 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 I haven't even absorbed them all yet of, of what everybody's doing, but like, 
there's just so much packed into this episode. It's it's really kind of mind boggling. So then we cut back to the Imperial base and the beginning of the Din Gideon fight. And Gideon is mad. You destroyed all my Gideon clones, all my Jedi Gideon clones. My clones were finally going to be perfect. The best parts of me, but improved by adding the one thing I never had. The Force. I was isolating the potential to wield the Force and incorporating it into an unstoppable army. And you smothered them before they could draw their first breath. My clones. So mad. So they fight, and then Praetorians come out, and then it's Din versus Praetorians. Out comes Grogu again. No. And this was this was stressful. Because then the Praetorians start to turn their attention to Grogu, and there's those like horrifying shots of Grogu in the the IG suit, kind of walking backwards, looking terrified, and like literally watching it this morning. I was like, no, no. Well, and before we get into that too, I gotta say, the sound design on Gideon's suit is so cool because it didn't even cross my mind last episode when he said he had his Beskar alloy dark trooper suit that it wasn't just armor that it's literally like a power armor thing and just this episode like all the sounds his suit makes when his when he's moving around and fighting and everything it's just such a cool sounding suit like he sounds cooler than he ever sounded before it's like robocop sounds when like robocop would move like yeah so just like motorcycle sounds so cool matthew wood david collins who did that So the Praetorians versus Grogu. Grogu is flipping around up in the sky, making little noises. And then in comes Bo, comes flying in Bo. She's like, I've got this. Go save your kid. Well, and then Grogu gets trapped under the tiniest little pipes. <laughs> it's like all I could think of was, uh, I guess, Obi-Wan and Revenge of the Sith when that railing falls on him. But it's like a really tiny version of that. So Din comes in and Grogu helps and together teamworks makes the dream work and they take the Praetorians down. And then meanwhile, Revenge of the Sith style, down comes the light cruiser. And I love Axewoves because I'm like, oh man, is Axewoves going down with the ship? Wow. And no, he like flies out of a window, which is pretty much all of us watching this entire episode. <laughs> Yeah. The other thing I don't think I've ever noticed is is Axwoves on his helmet has like that stripe and it's almost like he has a, a Rambo headband on his helmet. Like he's so cool. He has a headband on his helmet. But yeah, he literally jumps through a window because that's how we're all feeling at this point in the episode. So yeah, now it's Bo-Katan versus Gideon and the Darksaber is crushed. And I, I love to, yeah, Gideon talking about Mandalorians are weak once they lose their trinkets. The Darksaber is gone. You've lost everything. Mandalorians are weak once they lose their trinkets. 
Mandalorians are stronger together. But it's it's so Star Wars. Yeah, it's like Luke throwing down his lightsaber. Like, I don't need this thing. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And Bo's just like, I don't need the Darksaber to beat you, Moff Gideon, even in your stupid armor. I don't need the Darksaber to, to retake Mandalore or to like have, because these people, they, they love me. They believe in me. It's love that wins the day in Star Wars every time. Yeah, she just needs her friends. Her friends show up. Her Mando friend, her her Jedi frog friend, and her friend who crashes a spaceship on top of on top of him. The ship crashes, giant fireball, Grogu saves them, which is such a cool kind of revisit of season one. But it's a much, much bigger fireball this time. It's just so cool. Doesn't Bo still have her little shield out too, just in case? Just in case. She like can't believe it. But, you know, you think of like what Bo said earlier in the season, like she's known Jedi. She's she like was side by side with like Obi-Wan Kenobi and stuff. She knows what the Jedi thing is all about, but she's probably never seen anything like what little Grogu does. And it's so cool. So, yeah. So then we have the living water ceremony with uh, young Rastan taking the creed. And can I adopt Grogu? (laughs) So ridiculous. This is the way. This is the way. Let it be written in song that Din Djarin is accepting this foundling as his son. You are now Din Grogu, Mandalorian apprentice. This is the way. must leave Mandalore and take your apprentice on his journeys just as your teacher did for you this is the way it just yeah it just keeps yeah ramp, ramping up the 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 excitement here and I do love too that when they relight the forge number one that the forge looks like a, a gas range on a stove it's got the the blue flame I'm like oh that makes sense but I like that the armorer comes out with the torch to light the forge, but she gives it to Bo. And it's like, oh, man, you know, everybody is working together here. This is great to see. And they're all cl- they're all clanking their gauntlets together, saying for Mandalore. There's no I in team. They, they got to work together. They're home. Yeah, they got they got a big stove to make armor. They made the the mythosaur smile. Mythosaur is smiling because he's thinking somebody's gonna get out some Jiffy Pop. Well, that was that's one of the native plants on Mandalore, where the Jiffy Pop seeds, and now that they're they're able to grow them again, the Mythosaur will be happy. That's why the Mythosaur hasn't come out of the water yet, because he's just waiting for that Jiffy Pop. He wants to see that foil ball get bigger and bigger, and then he's gonna be like, "Ooh, now's the time." <laughs> the Mythosaur comes out of the water, but he talks. Hey, everybody. Is that Jiffy Pop I smell? <laughs> I've been waiting for some popcorn. So they go to the Rangers bar. Yeah, and Dave Filoni is there. He's in every shot wearing his hat. And also notice, too, when they walk into the, the Rangers bar, notice Grogu walking really fast. He's walking so fast, he's, his feet are barely on the ground. Yeah, his, he's just like all of us at home. We're walking on air at this point. <laughs> we're levitating. 
<laughs> he jumps up on the bar and starts eating a bowl of pork rinds, space pork rinds. <laughs> they look so good. I was like, man, some pork rinds would be good right now. And it's so outrageous, too, because it's like, yeah, they're talking about all this stuff of like Din needs work and an independent contractor. And that's all cool and great. But then they're just like, all I need is that IG head. <laughs> it's like, really? Yeah. So they, yeah, now we're back on Dave Navarro and Good Grief gives him the keys to the cabin just to lay low between your adventures. <laughs> Which is really a, a hint to us at home to get some rest. You only got two months before Ahsoka, so you better lay low. Four months, four months, four months. I was worried there. Okay. All right. Four months. Good, good, good. So then, yeah, Din has a gift for him. The new marshal of the Dave Navarro planet. IG-11 is back, but he's good IG-11. So probably, if we're wondering where R5-D4 is, I bet Din took R5-D4 back to Peli, and that's where they fixed IG-11. And then went back to Navarro. Well, that would make sense. Maybe somewhere there was an, another drop in with Peli. That was just too much. Yeah. It's like Revenge of the Sith. We wanted to see Yoda's escape pod land on Dagobah, but that would just be, that's just too much. You got to cut, you got to, you got to hold something back or people explode. So, yeah, then we get a final shot chilling at this old West cabin, putting his feet up, Grogu with a frog. It's like everything is going to be okay. Everything should be just fine. I don't think the bad guys will ever come back. They're just going to be okay at this cabin forever. Yep. Everything's chill until a naked Gideon shows up doing the force. Well, and that's the return. That's season three of the Mandalorian. And it was, it was the Mandalorian through and through. Yeah. Like I said, I, I loved this season. I think this, I can't imagine a better ending to the season. Like it doesn't, this is what I wanted. I want him. I wanted him in a house (laughs) chilling out. He's got one tree. What more do you need? This little Naboo starfighter parked outside. Well, honestly, I'm glad that there's no big cameo or reference to some deep cut star Wars thing in this episode. I don't want it to fall into that trap. Every time. And I'm glad they know they shouldn't do that every time. You did it with Luke Skywalker. That was huge. Well, and I I feel like this is, we've been talking about this since the beginning. It's like, from the animated shows, it's like, they know when to do that and when not to do that. And it never really feels out of place because it does genuinely seem like those people show up most of the time because it makes sense for what's happening in the story. Like, it made sense to have Luke because that's, they're going to take Grogu to a Jedi, then yeah, it makes sense. And with this, this was all about the Mandalorians. They didn't need someone else to come help them because the story was about them helping themselves finally. And if anything, you know, was R5-D4 our big cameo? Not really, but maybe. We saw Hux's dad, like, you know, we got that. And, and Peloton, General the General Peloton and his treadmill bike or whatever from, from Thrawn. Which it's still blowing my mind that the actor that plays General Peloton exercise bike is Todd from Terminator 2. So crazy. I need someone to make that connection for me because I even followed that actor on Instagram because I was like, I I cannot believe that he is Todd 
from T2. She's not my mother, Todd. And I and I hope he's like wearing old man makeup because it makes me feel really, really old if he looks that old. <laughs> but I think he might really look that old now. I hope he's at Celebration Tokyo and he does a whole panel where it's just like, I don't even care about Grand Admiral Thrawn. Just tell me about Todd. Why was he wearing that cool baseball shirt? Uh, well, be careful what you wish for, because it, it might he might be the biggest star at Celebration Japan. We don't know. Come on, get your ass inside. Do what your mother tells you. Not my mother, Todd. Stormtrooper, the Sand People, and all 20 action figures, including new Hammerhead, Snaggletooth, and more, each sold separately. And now, Boba Fett, Star Wars villain with his laser rifle. Boba Fett is not yet available in stores, but you can get him free with four proofs of purchase from any Star Wars action figures. Details on specially marked packs at participating stores. Offer ends May 31st. Star Wars action figures sold separately from Kenner. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Apple Podcast Reviews, when you get done listening to this, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, go over there, write a little something nice, give us a five-star rating so more people can find Blast Points when they're looking up Star Wars podcasts, and do the same on Spotify. If you listen over there, leave a five-star review for us on that thing. And check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, and make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're part of the Super Chill Group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where starting in a matter of weeks or so, we will have our commentaries for the Mandalorian season three. We're not done talking about Mando season three. We're going to do episode by episode, full commentaries for each one. And that's to be, should be starting in May for everyone. The Mandalorian is done for now, but as we go into May, we've got some very busy weeks coming ahead. We've got a really cool episode probably coming next week with hopefully some guests that'll be a lot of fun and then got some anniversaries in may to deal with and then june oh my god june which is like right around the corner indie month all indiana jones all month of june i can't believe it we're already like coming to all of this now yeah you may have heard there's a another indiana jones movie coming out what yeah 
I think it's called Dial of Destiny or something. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, we're dialing up the intensity as we get closer to Dial of Destiny. Yeah. Some, some wild stuff coming. Yeah. All indie, all month, all in June. The sun will be out. The birds will be chirping. The flowers will be blooming. And we're going to be losing our damn minds talking about Indiana Jones yeah. all month. Yeah. Maybe the, the dial to dying. Because we're going <laughs> to... We, we might not make it through June. So, yeah, lots of stuff to look forward to. Lots of fun stuff happening between now and then, too. So thank you all so much for all the support and all the listens during Mandalorian, during our Mando eight-week journey here. We went into the living waters. We're, we bathed. We're, we're purified. We've been forever changed by the, by the experience. And, yeah, if you need us, we'll be sitting on the porch of our cabin thank you all so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon bye bye may the force be with you goodbye old friend may the force be with you Buddy. May the force be with you! <laughs> <laughs>